0: If you are not in charge of the cattle in the pasture and you come across an open gate, Mm -hmm. you should leave it open. And if you come across a closed gate,
1: leave it closed.
0: Yeah.
1: Always. Caveat. Never. What if there's no cows around?
0: Still leave it how you found it. You Mm -mm. don't know what I'm up to out there. Mm -mm. I could be headed that direction with cows.
1: Nope. It's January. They're not going to be out here for months. I'm going to be going through this thing every day, multiple but times. Gates
0: get wonky if you leave them laying out in the winter. And then my poor soft spring self has to close wonky gates.
1: You got to harden up.
0: I'm it takes a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: These are stories of outdoor adventure and expert advice from folks with calloused hands. I'm James Nash, and this is the Six Ranch Podcast. In the United States, there are about 15.2 million hunters. That's how many hunting licenses we sell in the country and they spend around $21 billion per year, which breaks down to an average of $2,800 per hunter. Now, we need to be really smart about how we spend that money. You can't spend it on stuff that's going to break. Otherwise, you have to buy something else again, and you end up costing yourself even more. We also need to be smart about how much weight we carry in our packs, because that's a serious limiting factor. One way to remove about five pounds out of your pack without sacrificing your ability to find animals is to get rid of your spotting scope and tripod. Now there's a time and a place for those things and I carry both of them a lot. But if I need to go lightweight, I'm going to carry stabilized binoculars. And the best stabilized binoculars I have ever used are from Sig Sauer. They are the Zulu 6 and they just came out with a new pair called the Zulu 6 HDX. I use the 12 power magnification model they weigh 21.5 ounces and they have two modes of stabilization so you throw the lever forward once and that's going to stabilize the image if you turn it off and turn it back on again that's going to stabilize it even more and I'm not kidding it is more stable than if you're glassing from a tripod it is absolutely incredible. You're going to be able to see stuff at just incredible distances and really break it down. Like you're going to be able to tell the difference between a Billy and a Nanny Mountain Goat at a mile. You're going to be able to actually see if there's a kicker coming off that 4x4 Muley that just popped up over the hill. They work great at early and last light. They work great at highlight. They fit really well in my hands like this was one of the first products that I asked SIG to make when I started working with them. And to no surprise, they were already on it. They were way ahead of me. But this is a really good piece of gear. I highly encourage you look into it. You can go to SIGSOUR.com. Look for the Zulu 6 HDX. It comes in a few different magnification settings, but the one that I like the best is the 12 power. Check it out. So I was on a call this morning uh talking about suicide prevention. Oh. Very uplifting. Wow. Not actually. No. People are so scared to talk about it.
0: About suicide or death?
1: Both. Suicide for sure. Uh death in general, I think. You know, we all know that we're going to die, but we're like unwilling to acknowledge that. Right. In really basic ways. But this was an outfit that is working on suicide prevention and they're you know for a
0: specific audience or
1: uh they've got some, some funding to try to actually take it on. Okay. And they're they're just gathering information right now. They had some good questions and I really like their passion. They were uh like definitely from that that public health sector where sure. all of their language is is tempered by just like extremely inefficient politeness. Mm. Yeah. It's like we're we're talking about like people that want to kill themselves. Like, let's just get to it. We've got, we've got an hour. Let's get to it and get through it. Um, but yeah, ongoing problem, ongoing problem.
0: It really is. Um, you know, in, in ag, um, Ag is one of the highest populations of suicide, with alongside vets.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think farmers are actually um, are actually beating veterans right now.
0: We're winning. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I was just talking about this with a not about the suicide aspect, but we we're talking about this with a, with a buddy of mine the other day, and some of the most high high stress jobs are the ones where a really high level of performance is expected, but it's an uncontrolled environment. Like you don't know th- there's lots of sectors where if you perform better, then you get a better product. Like you right. get more done, you know, you achieve more with some things like ranching with, you know, military, with warfare, with guiding, like, you have to achieve at an incredibly high level. Your performance has to be like tippy top of the game. But the factors that determine success are really not controllable by your effort. Yeah. And if that's your profession, then that is what leads to just gargantuan levels of stress.
0: Yeah. I, I feel that I think so many things are completely out of our control and it takes a lot of, zen to be okay with that right Mm -hmm. and keep working even when you're getting slammed in the face with things that you can't control um i often wonder though with farmers having such a high suicide rate if a lot of it doesn't have to do with isolation and a sense of not being able to speak directly like what the term you just used was really good Mm inefficient politeness yeah something like that um i wonder sometimes if people feel like they're being left behind in society and they don't have a place where they can just speak bluntly and directly about their day their struggle they like they're just lacking that community i guess because i know as a rancher but also a mom like Nothing feels better than when I admit something that I think is really shameful or embarrassing and another rancher or mom goes, oh, I got one better. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I'm normal and it's okay, you know. And if you don't get to do that, if you don't have that community, uh, it's really isolating.
1: Yeah. Another friend of mine sent me this yesterday and it's a it's a packaged T-bone uh from the IO Ranch in Evant, Texas. Event, Texas. Event. <laughs> but it says T-bone, beef loin T-bone steak, humanely raised but occasionally verbally abused. <laughs> <laughs> And then the nutritional information. On
0: the packaging? Yeah. Ah, see? Like, (laughs) I want to be friends with them. (laughs) That's so good.
1: Yeah. So, folks, if you're out there, you know, enjoying a a lovely ribeye steak, just know at some point somebody said mean things to that animal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that ranch kid that turned into an adult still doing it, right? (laughs) Like... We've heard some stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Forgive me for the things that I said when we were sorting cattle.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, forget. That's a, yeah, that's a forget over forgive moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's a, that's a test of, test of a relationship. It is. Yeah. Yeah, have have one person cutting and the other one on the gate. Let's see if we're on the same page or not.
0: <laughs> oh, and the drives home that silent drive it, home. It's after. just got to
1: be quiet. Ooh, like don't you don't you open your lips?
0: Yeah, don't touch the radio dial. Don't Mm-mm. open your lips. You sit still and be as quiet <laughs> as possible. Yeah. Until there's more room
1: between us. Yeah, we gotta let this <laughs> let this simmer down a little just bit.
0: Gotta breathe.
1: Yeah. What's the maddest you've ever been at a cow?
0: Um, hands down, and this is awful, but it's it's at a calf. At a calf? is the maddest I've ever been, and it's happened multiple times. Mm.
1: They don't know the rules.
0: When a calf won't nurse. Oh. When you've gone through the excruciating battle of getting a cow into a chute or tied down or whatever mm. like you had to go through... To get this cow, because you're like, surely it's not the calf's fault. This adorable little calf can't nurse, whether she's kicking at it or she's got a bad bag. Whatever's happening, you blame the cow. You've already taken out a lot of aggression, getting that cow into a situation. And then you nudge this little creature up there. And it just like fumbles with the teat or it doesn't do any sort Mm -hmm. of action. And... It seems like a moment where you'd have like deep empathy and understanding. Yeah. But I've never been madder Mm. than like, just nurse, grab a hold and nurse. Mm. I've done everything for you. Yeah. I don't know why, but I'm not alone.
1: That one gets you.
0: I've talked to other people that have lost their minds in that moment.
1: That one doesn't hit me that hard. It's like, all right, you know, now you're getting a tube. And, you know, we're going to bang a tube down your throat and here comes a bottle of milk the hard way.
0: Yeah. But then, I mean, then what? Then you've got a bottle calf on your hands. There's more sleep deprivation involved.
1: I mean, hopefully you're just kind of priming the pumps and getting them going. But yeah, you know, a a calf that just doesn't have it to like do, do the basics, like it you know, just had a glitch on its programming and doesn't have the instinct to, to be able to feed itself. Like, that's a frustration for sure. Yeah. For me, it is that, that breachy cow. Mm. Like, you know that they're a jump over the fence, go through the fence kind of animal, and they're high-headed, and there's just too much space between their tail and their body, and they look at you, and you look at them, and you think... Bitch, you better not. And uh, and then they they go over through the fence anyways. That's like, that's full rage. Like I would, at that point, I want to just go over to my truck, grab a rifle, and kill that thing, and butcher it in the field, and just be done with this animal forever. But you can't. Like that's not an option. No.
0: So yeah. this is so funny because that doesn't get me at all. Really? I've got mad respect for the breechy cow. <laughs> like... <laughs> I kind of enjoy her. <laughs> I I understand her. No, she I don't is... like being, you know, like if there's, Mm-mm. I mean, I am the breechy cow. I feel like if there's a line that you're not supposed to cross, you're supposed to just like stay in this area. Yeah. This is your area. The area is beautiful. Uh
1: huh.
0: Probably the best place to be. Definitely has food and water in it. I'm probably gonna jump the fence. And the breechy cow, when you get like a good connection, we've put her back in like four or five times and then all you have to do is like head towards her and she jumps back in. I think that's
1: fun. Yeah. I mean, that's all right. But when she goes the other way, it's not like. Do, right. Do you remember the winter where we had those rebel ass heifers that just <laughs> lived out? Yeah. Will and I took off. They
0: like made it to like Idaho basically
1: damn near will and i took off hunting them because we had all that snow right we Mm -hmm. had like i can't remember it was like five feet of snow but we took off on snowshoes and it's like we're gonna get them we're gonna get them today and we walked out to the to the edge of the rim to see if we could spot them down in the timber and I fell through the crust of that cornice with my snowshoes on mm-hmm. and went over the top of my head because it was all built up right there. So I got completely soaked in snow, cold, had to dig myself out of this thing <laughs> with snowshoes on while Will's just l- laughing at me. And, uh, and then we took off and I thought we had them. You know, we tracked them down. And I thought we had them turned back and they just took off the other direction. And I just, you know, I thought, I I hope you die. I, I hate yeah. you all so much. <laughs> uh, we did get him back, but it wasn't until March.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, Scott McLaren's got a great reference for that. It's uh, letting the letting the white cowboy bring him in or something when you just wait on enough snow and misery oh. to get him to the bottom. Yeah yeah I that's that's frustrating and that's where like a good dog is right. so priceless. I mean, yeah. the miles that good dogs save me and my horse is outstanding. It's incredible. but um too, it's different being in the valley mm. now with cows all the time because you know, I'm not I don't have cows in the canyons anymore, but when cows in the canyons get out, you know, everybody just kind of is like, hey, you've got some stuff on us. We'll see in the fall. Right. Whatever. Right. And you sort it all out in the fall. Neighbors help each other.
1: More of that, like, grazing association mentality.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um. Here, like, I had some cows get out, you know, into the neighbors. And it's, like, in their yard. Yeah. Or in with, like, their purebred tiny backyard stock. And they're, like you need to get here immediately or they will start public shaming you on social media <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: straight to Facebook. Just <laughs> uh,
0: it's, it's brutal. It's a different, it's a different thing and I don't move quickly. I've got toddlers and stuff going on. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I definitely had some social media shaming for livestock out this year.
1: There is something that's, that's really satisfying to me about uh, being the one that gets the word <laughs> that your cows are out. And I love it. Like it just it just fills me with joy when somebody's like, Oh, you know, we got coriannies out, you know, wherever. I'm like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but the bad thing is you and mom are both not good phone answerers. That's true. And sometimes you're elsewhere and like I don't that becomes the priority. <laughs> like no matter what's going on. Right. It, it is the, now the priority, and I can't remember. It was like Super Bowl Sunday or something, and I was at uh, I was at Paul in Montana's. Dressed like I am now, wearing shorts and flip-flops, Always, just like yeah. wanting to, you know, enjoy the one football game a year that I watch, <laughs> you know, eat a chicken wing, something along those lines. Ah. Nobody answers, and I end up in shorts and flip-flops on the highway and on the railroad tracks chasing cattle um in the middle of the night and uh state police pull up and they look at the situation and look at me and go Yep, yeah, nice <laughs> yeah really dress like a cowboy like i wasn't planning on cowboy tonight this is supposed to be chicken wing night
0: i know i know there's uh yeah they'll ruin your plans
1: yeah that's, yeah
0: that's that would be what i would put on a steak package this animal ruined all my best plans. <laughs> Enjoy. I hope your Saturday date night's better than any of mine have been since I own cows.
1: When are you happiest with a cow?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think when they've put me somewhere that I wouldn't have been without them, whether that's like a really early morning and it's beautiful or in high country um just somewhere where like we're trailing i'm on a horse i'm with cattle and it's beautiful mm. that happens that happens a lot too and i think i think that's when they make me the happiest i also really like sorting and cutting on cows and doing that dance with them is pretty fun
1: we should probably talk about what cutting means
0: okay Um, Cutting is when you take an animal out of the herd and hold it out for whatever reason. So um, let's say you're trying to get bred cows and open cows or cows that are not bred apart from each other. You would hold them all in one area, go in with a horse, ideally, or yourself, and pull out the open cow. And then there's this dance where they're herd animals. So they're going to want to get back to the group. And what I think is really cool is they'll do that dance with you until, and then there's this moment where they submit Mm -hmm. and they turn away and they're ready to trail them. And then they're good to go. Like they'll go wherever you want them to go. Um, And I think that nonverbal communication is just really cool.
1: And how you apply that pressure is really interesting because it's with, your eye contact with the position of you or you on your horse in relationship to that animal every animal kind of has a different pivot point for like where where you're putting that pressure so i can be i can be 30 yards 50 yards away from an animal and if i take a step to the left or a step to the right they're going to respond mm-hmm. to either of that and that's really interesting. I think for somebody that wasn't ever around livestock to observe that, they would probably think that there was some kind of sorcery going on.
0: Yeah. it. I think it absolutely looks like sorcery, and it's. but it's energy, too. Yeah. It's, you can...
1: I think it's instinctual as well, because mm-hmm. wolves will do this to herd animals. Right. And, you know, they'll... Use their body language and position and relevance to that animal. Even if it's on this in the center of the herd, you can still put pressure on an animal in the center of the herd by reacting to its movement yeah. specifically. And wolves can cut an animal out of a herd and single it off so that they can go kill it. I think that humans have that too. So you know, it's not it's not like you just explain to somebody how to how to cut cattle and then they can go do it. But I do think that they tend to innately know a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth in that uh, with hunting or ranching. Anytime you're with animals like that, there's a certain level of instinct that if you listen to it, you kind of know what to do. Mm -hmm. And then there's the practice and the skill and the learning part, too. and. I don't, I don't know if, do you think that lots of people who actually don't know how to hunt think that they would know how to hunt? They just need the opportunity? No. No. You think that it's an intimidating thing to do?
1: It is intimidating. A lot of it. a lot of the intimidation comes from, from the regulations. Oh, okay. And from the gear. Like they don't know even what gear they're supposed to use uh and then they don't understand the regulations and the seasons and the limits and you know what they're allowed to do so that. it's all been bogged down by by modernity in different ways that uh that it's really inaccessible to people who don't know don't have a foothold but the actual doing of the thing like once once you have somebody with the correct license and the right you know, rifle and optics and clothing and all that stuff. And you put them out there, then it becomes so much more basic. And from that, I think people are able to tap back into their instincts a little bit, observe their surroundings, drown out that static of everything that, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, is
1: going on elsewhere in the world and focus in on the present, start observing the weather and the wind and the vegetation and, you know, not just the time of day because that affects your schedule, but like how is the position of the sun to where you are on the earth affecting where you want to be and where you think these animals are? All that stuff starts to make sense to people really quickly. Yeah. And then they're able to act on it. And then when they get into the more technical aspects of things like actually taking the shot and, you know, finding the animal afterwards and processing the animal, you know, those are learned Learn skills that you really kind of need that mentor or mm-hmm. or access to, you know, videos, podcast information so that you can learn how to do it. But the the actual hunting, like the, the sure enough hunting of the thing, I, I do think people have that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's really cool. That's
1: as, as far as shooting goes, uh, almost everybody can shoot a bow really quickly. Like if they're physically able to shoot a bow. Yeah. Um, the smallest amount of practice uh, people... People have that in them. Like yeah. They, they have the ability to, to shoot a bow relatively well, relatively quickly. Now to shoot a bow really well, that takes forever. Like you, you, right. ne- you, you, you never, you never summit that peak. Yeah. Like you can always shoot a bow better than what you do now. But you can shoot good enough really quickly.
0: Yeah. I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It feels good. It feels so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think me and every other woman who's ever shot a bow is like, I am freaking Katniss Everton instantly. <laughs> yeah. And it just feels like so natural and cool and um, addicting. You know, you want to do it just a little bit better because there's just enough idiosyncrasies to like want to keep trying mm-hmm. to do it better the next time. And I feel the same about roping.
1: Yeah.
0: It's like roping's a pretty basic thing once you get the hang of it, you know, it's like, okay, and that's it. Like, there's your loop, you swing it around, you throw it. And the reason you can do it 10,000 times and still want to do one more is because you can always do it just a little bit better, a little bit different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you and I used to rope a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. try and get 100 straight head catches before we went to the school bus and stuff like that. I haven't... I don't think I've touched a rope in a couple of years, but if we went out and played a game of pig right now, I'd beat you.
0: That's not true at all.
1: Oh, it is so true. Have you ever beat me?
0: Surely. Yes, of course I have. Do you think so? Yes. And I would beat you right now. No, you wouldn't. I absolutely would. (laughs) Stay tuned, folks. (laughs) This is happening. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. Are you serious?
1: Not unless I had like some stiff brand new heel rope or something that I couldn't.
0: You can rope with whatever one you want. Pick your poison.
1: You don't have a chance here. You should just save yourself the embarrassment probably.
0: This is insane. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. Yeah. We'll table that matter.
1: What's the difference between a cowboy and a buckaroo?
0: flare (laughs) um yeah uh mostly that's a regional difference at this point you know when I think about it the first things that come to mind are like the shape of a hat um where your skills are a cowboy you can apply to anything you know um like Beyonce's a cowboy uh is she though? <laughs> sure, I don't. I don't have the like gatekeeper mm-hmm. mentality on the term cowboy. Like gotcha. you, f- you feel cowboy in your heart. You go, you're yeah. a cowboy. Um, buckaroo comes from a more traditional background. That's like the Joaquin Murrieta, um, California, vaquero background. Yeah. The only thing I'm jealous of of buckaroos at this point is the trotting out. Mm. Like being able to trot out straight from your barn to start your day is really cool. Yeah. Um, and here it's so much trailering, so much, like we spend so much time on foot. Yeah. Um, And you just don't, you don't have that. It's rocky and steep and we're in smaller pastures and all that. But yeah.
1: Well, I mean, just in, in all this steep ground, like you're not really trotting anywhere. No. Yeah. I, no. I think of buckaroos as... It's more, more of a desert kind yeah. of deal, typically. Yep. And, yeah, they're going to probably have on a, a, a flat-ish hat, <laughs> if not very flat. They're going to have a silk wild rag on.
0: Mm-hmm. Some fringe.
1: Yeah. Gonna, silver. Going to have some fringe. Definitely some bling. Yeah. Some oversized spurs, more than likely.
0: This has been one of your favorite things to um, tease me about and one of my favorite things in life. Mm. Like from when we were kids, I always want to have the outfit first. Like even when you say like you were talking about hunting gear, I was like, ooh, yeah, the right outfit. (laughs) Like that would be the first thing I would think of. And I, you know, I've always loved that part. So I love the big ridiculous and bright colored wild rags and mm. punchy things. I've toned down a lot from my 20s. Yeah. Um a little more practical now, but um I love it. I'm all about the the flair and I like that you can tell where somebody's from in the cowboy worlds based on what they look like or at least where they're trying to pretend to be from.
1: Sure. Yeah. If somebody's actually cowboying or or buckarooing, you should be able to look at their hat and by mm-hmm. the shape of their hat, know about where they're from. Yeah. That said, every single cowboy hat's going to be different.
0: Yeah. 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 Especially now. There's so many incredible hatters and even just custom hat shapers.
1: But there's only one Kate Havstad.
0: There is only one Kate Havstad. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I get to make it. A- Hat with Kate this fall.
1: Nice. I'm debating about whether I'm going to guide in mine.
0: What is your... What's your debate? I'm so excited we're talking about outfits. Tell me which hat <laughs> that you are guiding in this season. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Kate made me that hat last year. And it's, uh, it's a, it's an inch shorter brim than a standard cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a natural felt. So the color's color's fine in any environment because it's just natural felt it's gray but it's such a nice hat you know so Mm. is that like the the special occasion hat like you know weddings funerals and nice dinners out or or is that like gonna be the hat that i that i hunt in that's gonna get bloody and get face paint on it and you know get a big sweatband crawling all over the place and I think it's fine either way. Yeah. Uh, and even though Kate is a, like an absolute top tier hatter, I, she's not going to be mad if I get blood and crap all over the hat, you know, and it'll stand up to it.
0: Yeah. So I do have a theory about this. Okay. Um, because I work in my most well-made things mm. and I save pretty, but fragile things. For the funerals, dates, et cetera. Gotcha. Um, So the boots that I work in and the boots that I ride in were the most expensive and the most well-made. Because Mm. I feel like the people who made them, and I bought them from people who made them, built them with materials and with integrity so that they could hold up to work. And then, you know, the, the things that are made out of 50% plastic, but look really pretty, yeah. then wear them where they're not going to get yeah. you know, distressed. And I feel like there's so much honor in, in using it for what it's for.
1: Yeah. I run into that with knives all the time. Like, you know, I've got these beautiful, beautiful knives, like from Rucker and from uh, Trondrood. Like they're absolute works of art. You know, this is a, a skill that's been that's been improved on in this knife building style for thousands of years. It's an amazing thing. The knife is, you know, one of the first tools that we ever made. We used knives for like a couple million years before we ever used fire. Crazy. Uh, So it's this incredible part of who we are. And this is an absolute work of art, but like these two knives in particular, both of them were like, make sure you use it. Right. And uh, don't
0: hang it on the wall.
1: Yeah, and it it just feels like I'm using a using a Picasso painting as a as a placemat, you know, and getting <laughs> crumbs on it. <laughs> but uh I do use both of those knives. But I'm I'm definitely susceptible to wanting to keep keep nice things nice, and using them is is not a good way to keep them nice. But it is probably the best way to to honor the craftsmanship of that product.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's more respectful, you know,
1: I I know them. there's, I know there's people that out there that do that with our beef. Like, you know, they, right. They say, well, this is, this is really, really incredible meat. I'm going to save it. And then, you know, three years later, like it, it, it's not, it's not good anymore. It's been three years in the freezer. Um, yeah. And I, I, I know that that happens.
0: It definitely does. Um and I I don't stand by that either like you know I think every grandma's pantry is full of canned tomatoes from like you know 1983. Right. Because and then they'll buy 10 cans of tomatoes when they have those in the pantry because those are special but yes, they're special. Use them, yeah. eat them. Yeah. And I think with Our beef in particular, like that's your eaten beef. You know, that's like the beef that you should be eating to have energy to go do things. Like that's the beef you should.
1: It's high performance.
0: It's high performance. It's not a Wagyu, super fatty, grain fed. Like I'm going to eat this and drink some scotch and then that's my entire evening. Like then I'm done. That was like treating yourself.
1: Yeah. You know, one of my favorite meals in the world, and I think one of the most successful meals in the world, is a a fast food hamburger and French fries and a Coke. <laughs> it's so good. It's so freaking good. But wa- <laughs> Wagyu beef has almost ruined that for me. Okay. Here's why.
0: I'm on the edge of my seat
1: that is what they're feeding Wagyu cattle to fatten them up is French fries.
0: Oh, does that happen to you with, when you eat corn sometimes Yeah, you think about,
1: yeah, just like, especially all like the iterations of corn. I mean, it's just an absolutely everything. It's, it is. It's as inescapable as plastic these days.
0: Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're going to, you know, that saying you are what you eat. Mm. Do you want to, be a Wagyu cow or do you want to be a coriani?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I love, I love corn fed steak from time to time, mm-hmm. but just like you're talking about, if, if the reason that I'm eating is so that I can perform at a higher level then I need high performance food and it's really difficult to beat lean grass fed beef for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think there's this funny shift in uh, our society that happens cyclically where microwave food used to be when it first came out, that was what people who could afford it would eat. Mm -hmm. Right. It was like this convenience of having a microwave and then being able to do those like quick instant meals was You know, a sign that you had, like, made it. And then if you're eating out of your garden and you're hunting, that's because you couldn't afford these microwaved meals, right? And then we've flopped again where farmer's markets a lot of times are, like, they price people out. Um, If you want food out of the garden, food that's grown in this way, um, it's going to cost more money than people generally have who are still trying to feed their families with microwaved pizzas. And I think that's such a shame, you know?
1: Yeah, it is. But I mean, from an economic standpoint, economy of scale, especially I understand how it got that way. Yeah. But it, it is, it is really interesting. Um, kind of that cycle between like poor and bougie food silverware, you know, even though it's not a food item, is interesting. In Victorian England, the silver, silverware was for the peasants hmm. and lead was for the royalty. <laughs> and like that, you know, might, might explain a lot about the royal family, <laughs> yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's fascinating how availability of, of products, just supply and demand and 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 economy of scale changes how we value things
0: completely and and how we see different things you know and how that changes over time um i still get i don't know if you ever get this but like when i when people find out that i may be intelligent then they're like well why are you doing physical labor
1: Mm. yeah you're you're supposed to be you know just working on a computer so that you can make enough money to buy a gym membership so that you can spend time (laughs) working out so that your body doesn't fall apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like you're, you know, you could do so much more. You could be doing so much more with your life as if I haven't like thought of my own potential as if I'm not doing exactly what I want to be doing.
1: Right. You know, we strive for leisure and comfort in so many ways and hunting provided that to an extent, right? If we were like a scavenging and gathering society, you've really got to be working a lot to be able to to bring those things in. As soon as you hunt something, then you've got a big supply of food all at once. And you can actually just lay back and kick stress for a little while. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, smoke and salt and preserve this meat. And then you've got you've got food for a prolonged period of time. So through hunting, you've achieved leisure and comfort. And that's, that's definitely gone the other way as soon as agronomy came, came into focus because now it's like, okay, we don't have to move with our food. We actually tricked some of these animals into hanging around us. We're feeding them and we don't have to hunt for them anymore. And this is how domestication occurs. So we domesticate livestock. uh, We domesticate uh, wild grains and crops and things like corn and mice and wheat uh, there's a compelling argument that wheat domesticated humans and not the other way around. Okay. Uh, that came from a book called Sapiens. But, oh, right. Yeah. So, you know, wheat is one of the most successful species in the world. It's yeah. You know, it's it's everywhere that people are. And it probably started with it growing wild. People collected a little bit, head back to camp. Some seeds spill as they head back to camp. And then... As this goes on over time, then you get more abundance of those seeds in that area, and then people are able to stay there longer, and then pretty soon they build a permanent home there and cultivate that wheat, and now that they've got a grain crop, they can start feeding animals, ungulates, and then they've got, you know, cattle, and they've got horses and sheep and these other things that are now domesticated animals, they've... Got some some surplus meat. So now they've got domesticated dogs that are helping them to to hunt and to protect that livestock. Mm-hmm. And that's the bedrock of a society that no longer has to move around. So they've achieved more comfort and leisure through those efforts. Right. And then hunting starts to go away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like most things that we thought would bring us more time and be more convenient, it's a whole bunch of work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is. And now a lot of hunters today hunt because of the challenge, because of right. the physical exertion, because they're lacking that so much mm-hmm. in, in their life that, you know, they want to go and, and push themselves against the elements and against a really smart animal and, and all of this stuff so that they can get a taste of, of what we used to be.
0: Yeah, because we need that. I mean, when are you the happiest? For me, it's when I creatively solve a problem and it took generally when it took physical work to get it done too.
1: Yeah. I think I'm the happiest, you know, when your cows are out and you pick up the (laughs) phone and I get to tell you. (laughs) Uh, It's so true too. You get this
0: like child giggle. Just, it is. It's pure joy. I'm
1: practically like bouncing up and down while the phone is ringing. Like yes, yes, yes.
0: Ugh, I know. I, you know, I probably won't ever take that away from you. It's probably just going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just here to bring you joy.
1: What's your gate policy these days?
0: Leave it how you found it. Okay. Hasn't changed.
1: Well, sometimes you need to go open a gate and leave the gate open.
0: You're opening it and you're leaving it open? Yeah.
1: No. Sometimes.
0: Never. Why would you do that?
1: Okay. Here's an example. Okay. Let's say you've got two adjoining pastures and you want the cattle to be able to go to both of them at the same time and the gate between them is closed. So now we're going to go and open that gate and leave it open.
0: But if you are not in charge of the cattle in the pasture and you come across... An open gate, Mm -hmm. you should leave it open. And if you come across a closed gate,
1: leave it closed.
0: Yeah.
1: Always. Caveat. Never. What if there's no cows around?
0: Still leave it how you found it. You Mm -mm. don't know what I'm up to out there. Mm -mm. I could be headed that direction with cows.
1: Nope. It's January. They're not going to be out here for months. I'm going to be going through this thing every day multiple but times. Gates
0: get wonky if you leave them laying out in the winter. And then my poor soft spring self has to close wonky gates.
1: You got to harden up.
0: I'm it takes a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not
1: a fan of the all gates closed all the time policy.
0: I am so fully aware of that.
1: It's You know, we have lots of situations here on the Six Ranch where there is a closed gate that is behind a closed gate that is behind another closed gate. There's a system. They do not all need to be closed all the time. Only (laughs) the one. No, they don't. It doesn't make any sense.
0: It doesn't have to.
1: It does. It should. No. It's too rigid of a policy.
0: It's, I have so few strict policies.
1: No, I'm not going to change.
0: Abide. Mm
1: Mm-mm um you should
0: put game cams on those gates that you leave open and
1: watch the struggle
0: watch how angry i am at you nice if if you need more joy in your life
1: i think you probably have gone through gates that i've left open and uh not even realized the gain of efficiency that that i've created for you in doing so
0: i'll let you know if that happens
1: I don't think you notice.
0: Of course I notice.
1: Okay. <laughs> How do you feel about the first auto gate on the sixth ranch ever?
0: Um, yeah, it's it's so fancy. I I feel like I'm rolling into Yellowstone's headquarters when I come to your house now. Okay. All you need is an archway, like a really elaborate a big archway. California now. archway. Um and you're the winner of the fanciest Yeah. House on the ranch. Put
1: in an archway that's like uh, 12 feet off the ground. So semi trucks run into it and it causes a big drama. Yeah. yeah. That's like a classic California archway move.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You need one. Yeah. Just think about it.
1: I don't know that I want to punch holes in this rock ever again. (laughs) That sucks.
0: You'll forget about it eventually. It's like getting tattoos. You're like, oh, that was terrible. I'm never doing that again. And then. You forget.
1: That's the truth. You forget the pain. Six, come back for more. six months. Yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah, not that bad. Yeah. And then, you know, one second and you're like, oh, this is. This is this terrible. Sucks so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, but then you do it again. hmm Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of like, I mean, it's, you got to acknowledge it's fall. So there's so many things right now that I'm like, never again. I don't want to ever do that again. Mm. But come spring, I'm going to be chomping at the bit is it fall not yet it's approaching
1: that's something that i've noticed we do as ranchers is as soon as you get close to the next season you just start acting like it's here so Mm -hmm. even though we're very much in summer right now i'm fully in the fall mindset and so are you because it takes so much preparation Mm -hmm for that next season that you have to start acting on it beforehand. Yeah. And, and and mentally it changes for us. So it's very much summer, but you and I are both like, no, it it's effectively fall because there's so much that needs to get done before and during fall that we just need to start acting like it now.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah. I also think it's very, um, indicative that we even talk in seasons. Mm. Right. So you don't say like, quarters or the month that it is, it's just this, the seasons of things is what dictates what we're doing, right? Yeah.
1: Pretty gourmet catching a couple of rains in August, huh?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about pure joy. Yeah. I mean, just, it was like a relief valve opening. It, Yeah. I can't even... There's so many places in um in ag right now that are still really suffering with drought, and we we don't experience anything like they do in New Mexico and Arizona and Texas ever. But when it does get crispy here, it it physically affects me, and I know that because when it rains, I feel s- like a huge weight come off my shoulders. Mm. Just everything's gonna be okay now. Yeah, because it rained.
1: Yeah. And then 10 days later, you're like, oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Sheer panic again. Yeah. It's the apocalypse.
1: Yep. But that's how long it takes. Uh, And in our soil type, uh, in just this this area, you can have a really solid rain and have mud puddles on the ground. And if it's hot and dry tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you will have dust like crazy um, coming off your vehicle and still be driving through the mud puddles from the day before. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the health of our soil, right? So it depends where you are. You know, if you've overgrazed the patch and it's all thin soil now, it's just going to erode. So those big rainstorms that we got, if there's not grass on the ground and there's not roots that can suck that moisture and hold it in the ground, it's going to create, Runoff and damage, and so that's always a a fun game. Late summer too, like how much grass do you take off the ground, um, and how much do you leave for water retention? Yep. Just in case you get it.
1: Yeah. Well, we got it. We've got grass yep. that's actually growing again right now, and you know, I've, I've never seen an August like it. And I'm all about it. It's good for us here.
0: Yeah, it's great. But shipped outside cows early. And so we're getting really good regrowth right now. And, uh, it's going to make for a much easier feeding season.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how's the beef program?
0: Uh, beef program's going great. Um, I am so excited to tell you that we actually got two new restaurant accounts that, um, we're starting to work through because of the meat rodeo. Nice. Like they want to be participants so bad that they're willing to carry our product to do it. (laughs) That's great. It's so great. Who are they? Um, I'm not ready to, we'll announce it on the website soon. Okay. When they're fully uh, indoctrinated.
1: Such secrets.
0: I know. Um, But it is really exciting. So our, our restaurants, you know, those partnerships and relationships that we have, they're just so great, and they're just serving our meat up in ways that make us look awesome, um, yeah,
1: they take a lot of pride in it.
0: they do yeah. and and I do too. I yeah, really grateful for those. And so then, you know, last year was kind of the the first year of taking everything over six ranch business wise mm-hmm. and so I really just kind of stuck to the program, but I didn't do. Uh, our beef subscriptions last year and we brought those back. So grassroots beef club is back and those boxes are going to ship out the first of October. So. Okay.
1: okay, Hold up. You lost me. Okay. Grassroots beef club. Is that like a band?
0: Could be. It is what we call our subscription boxes. So uh. Lots of companies have gone in this direction, right, where you sign up to be a member, and then you get something shipped to you periodically. Okay. So, to be a grassroots beef club member, you get beef shipped to you once a month.
1: Okay. Uh, How's it shipped?
0: It's shipped in these cool, um, like, little coolers, cooler boxes that we got, and it comes with a return shipping label, so we ship all your beef... um, obviously on ice, insulated, little cooler boxes. You unload it into your freezer, slap the return label on it, and it comes back to us, and we'll fill it back up and send it back to you the next month.
1: Okay. Uh, How much beef is in the box?
0: It is... It's roughly 10 pounds of ground steak roasts and specialty cuts.
1: Okay. Is there anything else in the box?
0: Yeah. We always add little surprises. Um, so just of other things we grow here because primarily we're doing beef, but we also have honey and eggs and flowers and, you know, sourdough starter and all these other great things that we're all doing all the time. Um, and that are sold in the farm stand and just, you can't access them outside of the farm stand or here locally okay we'll send those to you too and then i always throw in some merchandise some recipes um if we send you oxtail we'll send you a great recipe with it and and little little love notes from us love notes from the ranch
1: so that starts in october Mm -hmm. and is it going to be year-round
0: Yeah. So this is the first year, but we're going to do it year round. So you have the option. You can buy six months at a time Mm -hmm. um, and you get, that's the best value. Um, And you pay upfront in advance. That really helps us know how many live animals to process for you. Right. um, Which is always a challenge, right?
1: Because we don't have a 3D printer that makes steaks
0: we do not <laughs> no like we it, have it to it takes s- years
1: it takes years
0: it takes years and we we're we're sacrificing a life to feed you yep. so we really it's really important to us that we know the quantity there so and it's the best value for you it's really a good deal i think our beef customers in the past their feedback has been a little bit of skepticism going in and then they're like wow this was so much meat and such a great value And my freezer was full all year long. Cool. Um, So your other option is to do month to month. Okay. And that gives you some flexibility. We automatically charge you. We automatically ship it. You don't have to think about it. But if you are like, whew, man, I didn't have as many parties as I thought I was going to this month and I still have beef in the freezer, you can always pause or cancel your subscription.
1: Nice. Uh, How, I know we've got a limited quantity available. Uh, We've got... 25 more to sell, something like that?
0: Yeah. Um, and we got some sold today. So not very many spaces left.
1: Okay. So if somebody wants to get one of the remaining ones, how do they do it?
0: Go to the website and I have a discount code from this podcast.
1: Oh, so snap. I don't really do those. You don't do those? Well, it always seems so pushy. You know, it's like, hey, save, you know, 15% off this, you know, helium mattress and Blah, blah, so blah, blah, blah.
0: let's make it a little more interesting. Okay. Uh, if you get 10 subscriptions sold with this discount code, so I know that they came from you, mm-hmm. what would you like me to do? Uh,
1: never bring up gates again.
0: Come on. <laughs> Something <laughs> reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> like Don't set me up for failure <laughs> instantly. <laughs>
1: Uh, I don't need anything, okay um,
0: well, if you put in the code little sister six okay um number, number six, number six, always a number six, always number never six. write out six yeah uh little sister six uh, you get six percent off, yeah, um, and if you have a funny challenge that you think I should do, um not willing to clean James's house, but maybe and not willing to not complain about gate etiquette. Mm. I'll come up with but something. But I'm open. I'll come up with
1: something. <laughs> All right, so go to uh, sixranch. dot com.
0: Number six ranch. dot com.
1: The number six ranch.com. dot com, and uh, you can check this out. If it sounds like something you're into, you know we can't like ship beef to Puerto Rico, no, because um, we've we've got to overnight it. But where where can we ship to? Like, what's the area?
0: We can ship to Nevada, Idaho, Washington, most of California. Oregon and a lot of that has to do with um just our values yeah as far as our footprint in the world and how much airplane time we want to accommodate
1: and I think we can get to Southern California it we're just gonna have to charge a little bit more yeah, yeah. it just
0: costs a little bit more and and we might limit that in the summer just shipping perishables gotcha. um, sometimes is really challenging in those long hot areas
1: so if somebody's outside of the the shipping zone should they just like send an email through the contact box on the ranch and see if there's a way. Yeah,
0: just reach out to me. Okay. Good enough. We'll make it work.
1: Uh how's Pan?
0: You know, Pan's got lots of potential.
1: He's an interesting little dog.
0: He is an interesting dog. Um they always are. Yeah. Putt was put was a weirdo too and now he's irreplaceable Mm. on the ranch as a dog. Um Pan is uh, I'm looking forward to this winter. You know, we have an indoor arena, which makes us very spoiled. And uh, that's when we train on young animals. So I've got a couple of horses and Pan, the dog, Pan, to... Uh, border Collie. Border Collie to Pan- train. Pandemonium. <laughs> yeah, pancake.
1: <laughs> Panic at the disco. <laughs> he's very sensitive.
0: Yes. Um, he's extremely sensitive Until he's not. Mm. And a little horror story on Pan. Uh, I almost got poor little Pancake pancaked. Uh Uh-oh. I didn't. And it was one of those, like, moments where you don't know whether to say, like, yeah, now you learned your lesson. Or I am so sorry. That's not what I thought was going to happen. But he was so naughty. And you talk about being mad at cows. Like, how about being mad at cow dogs, right? Mm. Um, So... We were moving cows and everything was going so great. And sometimes those young dogs, when things are going well, they throw a fit and make things into chaos because they don't want to quit working. Right. They don't want the job to be done. Yep. So cows are going through the gate and he just cut into the middle of them and just started biting anything in sight and scattered calves on different sides of fences I mean, total pandemonium, right? Total chaos. Mm -hmm. And I was irate. (laughs) I was packing Ira on my back. I was on foot, packing Ira on my back. Hank was over it. And I was (laughs) so happy that we were almost done. And that dog, oh, I was mad. And so I took his collar and wrapped it around a rock jack and on him, Mm -hmm. right? Like, This is where you live now. You no longer get to participate in this job. And then I sent the good dog out and around. (laughs) Everything's coming back together. And this one cow saw him and somehow knew that he was stuck there. And she just like full force had rolled him into that rock jack. Yikes. And I was like, I just killed my dog. (laughs) I felt so bad. And I was like ran over there you know and she took off and he said he's so sensitive and yeah. so his little eyes were just like you know <laughs> so big and weepy he's like oh. <laughs> I was like, oh like i said i didn't know whether to be like yeah <laughs> now you know better or like i'm so sorry little buddy i'll carry you back to the house he was totally fine yeah yeah no damage done at all other than to his psyche but
1: he's as smelly as your kids are sticky
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's he's, uncontrollable on he's both got a fronts. S-
1: a real skunk thing going on. I this think summer.
0: that he's having an affair with a skunk. Really? Um he seems to get a fresh fresh oiling yeah. from a skunk like every other night, it
1: seems like. So I mean skunks are kind of the border collie of Mastellids. Okay. They're black and white.
0: Yeah. Inquisitive. He really wants a friend. Yeah. So I I hope that it's worth it. Yeah. I don't enjoy it that sure. much. Um stickiness. Not my favorite part either, <laughs> but I've gotten used to it. Um <laughs> just you just embrace it. My car is so sticky. Uh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that's part of being a mom, I guess.
0: Yeah. It is. It's okay.
1: Quick Hank and Ira update for the for the next gen of the Six Ranch.
0: Hank and I are update. Yeah, so four and a half and two and a half. Okay. Um, halves are very important when you're that age. So that's a good distinction. Um, Hank is genuinely helpful mm-hmm. and such a hard worker and really Hank is uh more cautious and more gentle than his little brother. Mm-hmm. Um But he's so aware of all his surroundings Mm. and all of his people. Um, I think one of my favorite things about Hank right now is how much and how often he thinks of all the animals, all of the people that love him. And he wants to make sure everybody's okay and that everybody's taken care of. And then and then he's just so, so aware of all of his surroundings, um, no matter where we are. Really cool to see witness um ira is a fearless little wild bear raccoon child um and absolutely hilarious and has that i think it's amazing for somebody his age to be as funny as he is but also like as much of a little jokester and prankster yeah as he is like he looks for and finds ways to mess with everything and most time it's really really funny yeah yeah um so both of them are doing great they're happy we're living back in the house that you and i grew up in yeah and it's such a trip to like i know exactly where they are all the time just based on the sounds yeah of the house of the porch of outside gravel uh, and I kinda just have this like deep instinct of what they might be up to, right um, but what a great place to grow up, like
1: yeah, it really is
0: it really is
1: how's the uh the penny experiment going
0: pan um you
1: wanna tell the people what happened?
0: I think you should tell the people what happened, and then I will tell you what's happening,
1: okay. So I went to the bank and got uh, 2,000 pennies, <laughs> which they gave <laughs> to me in a canvas bag. So I walked out of there um, looking more sus than a suitcase on a river bank. And one of my high school teachers was walking in. And he kind of gave me a side eye. And I was like, yeah, I just robbed the place. <laughs> so I came back. Cracked all the pennies open and then scattered them around your gravel driveway and told Hank that a fishing trip with me cost 500 pennies. And, folks, that is a Hank-only rate, just <laughs> <laughs> to, to be clear. And uh, said that if he collected 500 pennies that I'd take him fishing. And uh, he he gave it a, a pretty good stab right off the bat. It was a hot day. The pennies were hot. That was pennies a are hot. Yeah. That has been a problem. Yeah. So take it from there.
0: So, how long ago was that? July. Okay. Um our count is currently 289 okay pennies. Um I will have you know that he likes me to check the date and tell him how old <laughs> every single penny is. So I have aged 289 pennies. <laughs> Nice. Uh he also enjoys a reference to that age. Mm. Like, is that as old as you? Is that as old as me? Yeah. Is that as old as time?
1: Learning is occurring.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great there. Um my driveway is still very shiny. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's not the worst thing. Yeah. Um also interesting that no guests have brought it up. Like okay. when you're pulling in, it's shiny copper. Yeah. You know, it's it's clear, but no one's talked about it. Um but it's it's getting harder to make the penny collecting fun. Mm. I've yeah, the dump truck collection has been the most successful. okay. Like, drive your dump truck around and put pennies in the back. um usually comes back with a lot more than just pennies, yeah, but we're we're still a ways off from okay. fishing, all right, so
1: well, they're not going to be as shiny after a winter. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot harder to hunt them up.
0: It's gonna be harder to age them too.
1: Yeah, they get driven over a bunch of times. Right, it Can be hard on on the old penny aging <laughs> process. Well, that's I good. also
0: think that Katie Jane stole three. So okay, um, yeah, should be taken into account. Wouldn't be Katie surprised Jane, if, if, you're listening, I saw you.
1: Wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Pan has eaten a few of them as well.
0: You know he's not he's he's not a trash eater. That was suede as a puppy. Um suede once puked up a uh like ticket thing or a like tab that said this machine will automatically turn off in 60 minutes. Ooh. I don't know what that could be. Rugged. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was a trash panda, but pan Pan's hard to get to eat anything. He's yeah. really busy. He doesn't really care. No.
1: Yeah, yeah. When I go over to feed him, because uh, you've got you know some horses and cows around, he's usually out in the pasture just staring at them. Yeah, uh, intently. It's like, come on, little guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time to eat Take some kibble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Mean,
0: uh, yeah, it's it's intense, but yeah, like I said, those dogs. I couldn't do what I do without without dogs.
1: Okay, so 6Ranch on Instagram, 6Ranch on the website, always number 6. Yep. I think that if you just punch in the number 6 on your Instagram search, the first things that come up are 6Ranch Outfitters, 6Ranch, and 6Ranch Podcast, Yep. typically.
0: Yeah, follow along. Uh, We don't have any employees or interns, so... uh, We're thinking about doing that. You know, I, yes, um, we are thinking about doing that. And, um, I think it'd actually be a really cool opportunity for somebody who wants to be around ranching, but doesn't necessarily have the skill um, could, could really help us with our social media because it really is just, just us. Yeah. Um, but we do show up and give you some, some insight and I'll announce those restaurants and.
1: Well, I'm excited to hear about that.
0: Show you some things. I'm
1: excited. Meat Rodeo was a great success. Uh, Meat Rodeo winner this year.
0: Meat Rodeo winner was the Range Rider.
1: Range Rider, Enterprise Oregon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, they, they were the overall winners. You know, just kind of steady man wins the race Yeah. type of deal. And they did great. But yeah, all the restaurants. That's such a fun event. And all the restaurants really really showed up hard this year and can't wait for next year
1: yeah that was fun it was a lot of fun look forward to next year i think uh it, that'll be an event that just continues to get get more fun as as we do it more yeah
0: too. Yeah. yeah absolutely um i've already planned my outfit for next year great
1: <laughs> That's so good okay thanks still thank you thank you all very much for listening I'm going to keep bringing you these stories from normal people just like you who have done extraordinary things. Everyone is an expert at something and they have interesting perspectives on life and work and the environment and all the things that we care about. I'm going to keep bringing that to you and I want to thank you so much for making this show possible. I also want to thank. Emily Bratcher for producing this show. She does a great job editing. Really appreciate her. I want to thank John Chatelain. He did the art for the Six Ranch podcast. And Celia, soon to be Harlander, uh, she digitized that so that we can get it out there on the internet for you. also want to thank Justin Hay for writing this original music and the beautiful whistling that you're listening to right now. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Please keep listening to the show. Write me a review if you feel like it and just keep doing your thing and we'll all learn from this together. It's been fun and you know we're we're just getting started.